0: Ciao Ragazzi, we are back. It is Seria Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Crivello, your host. Uh Richard will not be joining us tonight, and a little bit of sad news to go along with that. And many of our listeners who do follow us on Twitter do know by now, but I'll tell the rest of you that uh unfortunately Richard's father did pass away last week. Um and uh the passing was COVID nineteen related. Um I've been in contact with Richard for uh you know, for a number of days here since uh, that has happened. He's in relatively good spirits, all things considered. Um, But, uh, you know, I know that uh, I speak for all of our listeners, uh, that, uh, Richard, uh, we're thinking about you during this time, we're thinking about your family during this time, and we hope that you all find some comfort um, and some peace uh, during uh, this difficult time and uh, remember the good things about your dad. But. I'm not doing this alone. I do have a guest, uh, and uh, he is earning his first cap with the Serie A sit-down. As you know, we we, we give our guests caps. That's how we do it. Um, and uh, we're very, very excited by this one. He is uh, the uh, he does the lead play-by-play for BN Sports. He's also a host of the football show on Sirius XMFC, Channel 157. Uh, it is uh, my privilege to welcome to Serie A sit-down Phil Shane. Phil, how are you? I am doing, well, you already know, better than I
1: deserve, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a joy to get a chance to talk a little football, Yeah,
0: or excuse yeah. me, a little calcio. Calcio, absolutely. <laughs> we, use, we use calcio, we use football. I, I, I think in the four years, we probably said soccer twice, so, uh, so we, we, we maybe get some credit for that, but um, uh, how are things going? How's the, you know, the quarantining? How is the, uh, the adjustment to life for you? Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, fill us in on that and then just uh, fill everybody in on how you, uh, you know, how you've come along and and, and some, some of the things about your career and uh, what's gotten you where you're at now.
1: Um, I think we're going to need longer than an hour.
0: but <laughs> I'll try
1: and shorten that. First of all, uh, thoughts and prayers going out to Richard. Um, we were talking about this just before we, we started the podcast, but uh, there are positives, there are blessings that are coming out of uh, this whole coronavirus thing, uh, I think people are starting to discover what's really important, um, prioritizing. I think they're getting a chance to put their families first, and, uh, I mentioned, at least down here in South Florida, I can't ever recall seeing as many families out for an evening walk with the fathers included. Uh, so I know that the roads might be a little light, but the sidewalks have been, uh, uh, again, they're respecting the distance, but they are getting a chance to go out and spend some quality time together. I know personally we've had uh, my wife's mom, who is 87 now, um, and had her over quite a bit because the senior center closed. So she's getting a chance to spend time with her grandkids, and we're playing dominoes and we're playing cards. And it's funny watching an 87 year old cheat at cards. But we like- <laughs> Um, So, like I said, there are positives to this, but it is also important to realize that there are some people suffering both from the virus itself and from the economic uh, aspect of uh, this attempted battle against the coronavirus. So, again, thoughts and prayers to Richard and everyone else who might be suffering during these times. And I guess for those of us who have been blessed to, uh, to be bypassed, I guess appropriate, it's coming over a Passover season uh that uh we don't take that for granted
0: no i uh, uh perfectly said every every word there phil um and i, I and i echo it i mean yeah. I'm, here in milwaukee we're seeing families out going on walks we're seeing uh you know kids playing in the yards uh you're seeing you know pretty much a carbon copy of, of what life was like when i was a kid you know get out if the weather's nice get outside now i'm in milwaukee we've probably had two days of nice weather so far since all of this quarantine <laughs> so, uh, yeah yeah. But, um, but you know, now it's, uh, you know, now we're back into, into colder weather and I'm still kicking my kids outside. Um, you know, just bundle them up and, and, uh, let them do whatever. But yeah, those are, uh, those are some of the positive things that are happening. The value of family is coming back. Uh, the value of, uh, relationships are, you know, are working their way back too. And I think that, uh, you know, Hopefully that's something that uh, people take from this, uh, you know, and, and don't take those little things grant- for granted for sure. So, yeah, so, um, so be safe out there, everybody. They tell us that we're making progress, but we, we, we will stop making progress if everybody just decides to all of a sudden mass congregate again. Uh, this is still going to take some time. We've gotten this far you know, in some cases, it's been over a month for people. For myself, it's been right around three weeks or so. Um, we can we can do this a little while longer. If we've shown we've done it this long already, we can do it a little while longer. So everybody hang in there, uh, follow the guidelines, follow what you're being told, and uh, be respectful for others too. So, um, but with that and with that, let's uh, turn it over to the Kelcho, Phil, uh, and let's talk about some current events uh, that are happening happening with respect to city op. and we're gonna begin with the elephant in the room, uh, and whether or not Serie A should resume uh, the 2019-2020 season at any point. If you ask the FIGC, Serie A, and Sports Minister Vincenzo Spadafora, uh, they want to resume and have talked about training for the teams as early as May 3rd. Uh, If you ask Giovanni Rezza, who is the head of infectious diseases at Italy's National Institute of Health, he says no to resuming the season. Uh, Among those that agree with Rezza is Torino's owner, Urbano Caro, who is also taking it a step further by suggesting that all leagues will probably cancel or should cancel. Um, This also wouldn't be Italy without a little drama though. Lazio spokesman Arturo Diaconali has blasted Retza for this suggestion. Quick to point out that Retza is a Roma supporter, among other comments, also included the suggestion that scientists are not fans. should be noted that Lazio are a point behind leaders Juventus in pursuit of their first Scudetto since 2000. Uh, Today, Reza softened his stance a little bit, saying if you really want to do this, games have to be played behind closed doors and personnel need to be tested regularly. All that said, Phil, uh, and considering the state that Italy is in with COVID-19, should Serie A resume the 2019-2020 season or should they cancel it?
1: This is one of those ones where I don't really know if there's A wrong answer, should you say. I was going to say, you don't know if there's a right one. I think if it was up to me, you do have to conclude it. It started, you have to finish it. Um, Now, the question then becomes is, is it feasible? I know FIFA's gone ahead and they're talking about um, extending contracts and periods and transfer windows and the like. Uh, but you have to remember almost every single agent is a lawyer and everything that's done unilaterally is a lawsuit waiting to happen. And even if 99% of the players agree, there's always that one player that might be on, uh, the wrong end of the stick and his agent's going to try and step in. So, uh, it makes you understand why Shakespeare said first kill all the lawyers, but, uh, I, (laughs) feeling that this will continue. It will be very deliberate in that process. Um, I think the benefit of having a later World Cup a couple of years down the line gives a little bit more leeway when you're talking about pushing back a Copa America, pushing back uh, Euros. I do think that in certain of these countries... Uh, the cup competitions are going to be sacrificed in some way. Uh, and that could mean Copa Italia situations. Um, I know they're talking about many of the national team games maybe being pushed into 2021 in a condensed fashion to try and allow the, the leagues to catch up. Um, I, I think that we'll find out from Germany first because it looks as though they have avoided... The worst of this coronavirus and at the same point are already taking steps towards normalcy. I think in some ways the real battle to resume is not even a scientific one or a medical one. It's a mental one. And probably in no country more than Italy, maybe Spain, um, that this is going to have a very emotional aspect. And first of all, to define what I mean there, I think from an emotional aspect, in some ways similar to what happened after World War II, uh, when football came back and there was a gigantic celebration because it was a a sign that not just that football was back, but that life was back. And I think there will be that, that situation here. However, even in Italy, uh, who were victimized, if you will, by being on the wrong side uh, politically, uh, you knew, I don't want to say the enemy, but you knew who the protagonists were. Here you can't even see it. So you're talking about telling players it's okay to get in behind closed doors, uh, just ignore the hundred people that are here at the stadium and try not to cough on anyone. And then after that, you're talking about maybe a month or two down the line. uh, Okay, now we're going to let in 30,000 of our closest friends. So it's easy to say it's time. It's easy to say it's safe, even if science and medical data shows that it is. But if I'm a player, if I'm a coach, if I'm a, a referee, if I'm a ball boy, I would have to seriously consider if I'm ready. Um, There is going to come a time, but there are so many psychological scars that uh, I think have to be addressed. I think we'll probably return to normalcy once things start quicker than we think. But I think there will be some underlying scars along the way. Uh, Still at the outset, I think, especially in Italy, because of, in fact, you could say that the whole thing started with a soccer game. Um, that there might be a little more hesitance and a little more delay. So I can't wait. I do think it's the right thing to, to finish what you've started before you start the next one. Um, but it's not going to be easy for anyone. From a playing perspective, from an administrative perspective, uh, there are a lot of hurdles to be crossed.
0: Let me throw some ideas at you. If we say yes uh, and carry on with it, because I've I've been on this podcast, hosting this podcast, you know, when we when things got suspended, I've appeared on some other ones, and I've said we've had we've gotten two thirds of the season in, you know, if they wanted to, you know, be done and just focus on getting the next season started on time, that you know the top four goes to the Champions League, you know. Napoli and Roma are sitting fifth, sixth. They go to the uh, Europa League. Um, maybe Milan goes to the Europa League as that Coppa Italia represented, be, representative, because the other set, three semifinalists have claimed a European place, you know, in some capacity. And then the the question just becomes, what do you do with the team sitting in relegation? So, you know, and then whether you crown Juventus champion or not is at the discretion of Serie A. So, you know, so I've I, I've been pushing in that direction but i also i'm also a calcio lover and would be fine if the league came back and resumed so here's let's let's throw some ideas you know because these are the questions that are going to probably have to get answered here down the road how long of a holiday are we going to give the players from the end of because this this thing's obviously not starting tomorrow and there's 12 and in some cases with the team's 13 match days left um there's the Champions League and the Europa League for those that are still in it. There's Coppa Italia for those that are still in it. Um, how long of a holiday are the players going to get before the next season starts? And what does the 2020-2021 season look like? FIFA might have to condense some things because right after the summer of 2020 is when FIFA is supposed to get their World Cup qualifying underway. Um, so there's a there's a ripple effect. And you know, initially when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well. All of the federations are going to have to hard stop for uEFA to play the euro twenty twenty for Copa America to take place. you know what do we do you know if if we resume and let's let's say the schedule that italy is is trying to go for that Serie A is trying to go for and it sounds like they want to try to see if they can resume play at the end of May. I'm not sure and i 'll have a follow up question on that, but i'm not sure that's going to be feasible just yet um But what do we do with all of these? I mean, because it's going to be a domino effect. You resume this season, there's events afterward that are going to have to be compromised, and there's going to have to be some scrambling. Any ideas? Holiday, what does FIFA do? What do we do with the next, you know, calendar uh, season for football, not just in Italy, but in Europe?
1: And plenty of good questions. Let let me try and, and focus in on what you're talking about. In some ways, it's kind of arbitrarily easy to say, um, okay, top four. There's a little separation. Um, you have Inter and Atalanta with a game in hand against Roma, which gives them a little bit more of a of leeway. Uh, now Roma might feel a little aggrieved, thinking that they had just started to turn the corner and uh, were maybe ready to challenge for a Champions League spot, but that's their doing. Mm-hmm. Now on the bottom end is where you start to have the equation look a little wonky, um, and that's Lecce. Uh, this is a team that is among the bottom three, but at the same point is only one game out of 14th place. Yep. And so you take a look at that, and I think if you're going to say bottom three arbitrarily go down, we're not going to finish the season, uh, then I think you're going to talk about Aleche having a legitimate beef at the way that that plays out. Now, some people are saying, no promotion, no relegation this time around. Well, then, what do you do if you're Benevento? I yep. mean, they have a 20-point lead atop Sede B. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could practically start printing out their Sede schedule already. They're that far in front. Um, so, if you're going to say that, then they're going to have their attorneys on speed dial. Some are saying no relegation, but there would be promotion, But now all of a sudden you're talking about a 21-team first division. Uh, So I don't think that's feasible either. Now, I would agree. There is going to be a a deadline, a point, uh, a Rubicon of sorts where you get to mid-June and you're starting to think, you know what, time's running out. Uh, I think what we're starting to see in Singapore, what we have saw briefly – In Italy, what we're seeing in northern parts of China right now uh, with that second wave, how is that going to uh, kick things back? Now, the one advantage is I think everyone knows what's coming. Um, There are more ventilators, more masks. We already know about social distancing. We already even know about herd immunity and uh, what's going on in Sweden where apparently... Some of the the mortality rates have already started to drop, and they haven't crippled their economy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I think that there are things we can pick on. You could talk about the the medicines, and we're we're now one month, if not two or three months, in some cases, closer to a vaccine. So I, I think the second wave is going to come. Maybe it'll be easier to deal with, but if it does come at an inopportune time, Politically, that's going to also step in. It's not just Liga Calcio. It's not just Serie A. Um, You also have uh, the governing party. Um, You have the prime minister, etc., that are going to want to make sure that we don't end up seeing even more people die on their watch. So there there are so many aspects to this, but I kind of have a feeling that we're starting to see more people that have been infected, but are not showing signs that uh, they, they might be immune to the disease. I've seen some aspect, some uh, some beliefs, some reports that it might be even as high as seventy percent of the population just aren't going to be affected at all or very very minimally by this. Mm-hmm. So, starting to see, I, I can't remember where was it, where was it, where was it. Um, I think it was Italy, it might have been France or Belgium, uh, where they were talking about women that had come in to deliver babies. And as part of the blood tests, they found out that I think it was like 15% were infected but showed no signs. So some of these numbers, when it comes to infection, are basically the fact that we're starting to test more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, some cases uh even from a death perspective i know here in the states we've heard some of the press conferences where they say he got hit by a car but he had covid it's going down as a covid death so it's going to take years to figure out the actual numbers but i think people are starting to come to a rationalization that life has to continue Mm -hmm. so It is a balancing act. There is a risk assessment that all of us have to deal with. Um, The one difference when it comes to sports, amusement, entertainment, let alone running a country or a region, um, is that other people live and die by your decision here. So are you convinced enough? So you might be right. We might get to June and they don't have the bottle to step up and say, uh, you know what, the situation is such that we can start playing this thing again. I don't think it's going to go that long. I, I think that uh, we're going to start to see things tail off uh, just a bit. Now, the interesting thing is what happens if this starts to reemerge um, next winter, then all the best laid plans are are are, are back on the table. But uh, right now, the, the season has been started, and I think – that break in continuity um, would be a scar on the game that's not really necessary. Uh, again, as I mentioned, um, the the World Cup being played later in the year in 22, the Euros and Copa already being moved back, the, even the African uh, Cup of Nations already was going to be a later, game, a later start. I think if you can get through uh, this season, And kind of alluding to what you were also talking about, even to start playing, you're looking at a very quick two, maybe three weeks to get these players back in game shape or at least anything resembling that. So even when they say we're going to go, you're still looking two or three weeks down the pipeline. So if this can be finished, uh, say, by the end of July, first week of August, I agree with you. There's going to be a shortened off-season, but in some ways they're kind of getting that off-season now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a split shift. Uh, So it will be basically a very crammed off-season that I would be surprised if it's longer than a month. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised to see things gearing up again with kickoffs slated by maybe late September. Uh, And again, that's maybe in the best of all possible worlds but if there are more delays now then everything's
0: up in the air sure and to your point yeah the the world cup is starting later in 2022 it's a it's a winter world cup which alleviates any kind of congestion for the players between club and country a little bit or or could potentially um you know here over the next you know 12 to 18 months um you know it, the only other the only other concern that i have is it pertains to italy and 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 this might you know with you covering la liga this might pertain you know to spain as well as just the the human dynamic of it you know we do look to sport as an escape okay we do look to calcio as an escape you know from you know maybe some of the problems that we're having in our own lives whether whether it's personal professional spiritual um or, you know anything you know so we look to sport as an escape. That said, with how Italy has gotten wrecked by this, are is Italy's people going to be ready for calcio? Do you think?
1: Well, this is an actual amazing point, and it's something I, w- I was talking with Michael Lahoud, um, former MLS player out of Sierra Leone, earlier today. Um, it's the flip side of the coin of what we've talked about before. Mm. Um, well, let's even go back. Uh, And I guess appropriately in your neck of the woods, Greece and and Italy in the Rome era. um, What were the Olympics? What is sport? I guess in some ways, sport was designed to basically be warfare with a little less bloodshed. Um, It was competitive, a way to get the adrenaline and testosterone out um, without having to use a sword. And... So it's not really life, it's a distraction in some ways uh, from the real thing, if you will. It's a pleasant one, it's an entertaining one, it is a passionate one, but we have now over the last month, month and a half, some people three or four months, had the curtain ripped away, and it's laid bare what's truly important. And you're starting to see that, I know, in different ways. But even to the point of, like, uh, Liverpool and Tottenham, basically, because of financial aspects, talking about furloughing uh, a lot of their staff, and there was a public outcry. Um, I don't think that would have happened a a while ago if it was just a regular economic uh, economic downturn. But people are realizing that from a health perspective... From uh, an economic perspective, there are a lot of uh, important things going on right now. And while football is a nice distraction, it's, it's something that many of us have have followed for years quite closely. And I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to this podcast—I mean, I didn't have the benefit of watching uh, Serie A back in its its heyday as much in the in the 1980s. Uh, just because it wasn't really available down in South Florida. We got uh, Soccer made in Germany. We got Star Soccer with the old First Division. We would have some games um, from Europe on the precursor to Univision. But uh, I remember back in the day watching Arsenal, uh, Charlie George, David O'Leary, that era, and that's when I really fell in love. And then watching the strikers with with Ray and Nene and Gerd and and the like, uh, Jan van Beveren. um, It is an important part of who I am. Even before I I made it a career, uh, that there was a passion inside of me. But um, when you're watching friends suffer, when you're watching family members suffer, and and as you know quite well uh, personally here, uh, people dying from this, um, some losing their jobs and maybe losing their homes. I, I know that uh, uh, at the moment there's a little bit of leniency from the people that are charging the, the bills, but that's not going to last. They have bills coming in themselves. So uh, the real world has, I don't say tarnished or diminished, but at least temporarily taken the luster off Uh, of what soccer is. And even when it comes back, it will be celebrated. But I think it's going to be a while before, I guess we could say, we forget again. Um, I think in some ways that's one of the strengths of human nature. Uh, It can be a cautionary tale at times, as Santayana pointed out. Mm -hmm. But uh, our ability to laugh Our ability to forget, let alone forgive, uh, it's one of the reasons, I guess, we haven't all killed each other by now. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) There will come a point where this will be in the past. Maybe not H1N1, maybe not Asian flu or the Ebola crisis, although, again, talking to Michael, what happened in Sierra Leone was devastating, but they were (laughs) playing soccer again. So it is going to happen. It's going to take a while, I think, before it comes close. And in some ways, that's healthy. This is a recheck. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what goes on in the Corvas uh, and see if there's a little bit of hugging going on and how long that lasts. So uh, I, I, I can't wait. But I think for those people that are thinking that once the first turnstile turns, everything's back to normal, uh, right. it's going to take a while.
0: Yep. Huggings a habit of the Italian people. So, you, you know, it's going to happen when they're turned loose and they're allowed back in the stands again, especially in the, in the, uh, in the court of sections of, of the stadia in Italy. So for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, that's the, and you know, my only basis for comparison is nine 11 um, you know, in my lifetime, you know, where there needed to be. And, but you know, we got to go back to the games, but you know, we're not at risk of infecting anybody, you know. That, that's uh, a
1: very good point. I remember um, with the flyovers, which was a sign yeah. that whew, we've we've overcome this. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time being in downtown Miami when the plane started flying after 9-11. Everyone just looked up. No one said anything for like two or three minutes, and then it was just a sigh of relief um, and uh, kind of a nervous chuckle. But uh, it's different this time, because... Yeah. If you make the wrong decision, someone in your family that you care about might die. Mm-hmm. So, it, there's, and that's one of the things with with a silent killer like this. Are we overblowing it? In my mind, yes. But you know what? Personally, if you have been affected by this, um, you can't describe it in any more serious terms. So, it's it's a very personal decision that all of us have to go through
0: for sure, for sure, without a doubt. Um, so, you know, and I think that, um, I think the other thing is, I think we'll all heighten our own self-responsibility. We'll all heighten our own self-awareness too. I think that's just going to be that's just going to be our own instincts kicking in. Um, but for how long? Right? And again, before we, uh, you get back to old habits, of course. Yeah.
1: And that the one good thing is is we've now had 4 weeks of hand washing. So maybe maybe that one will stick around.
0: My skin's going to fall off, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I think my wedding ring is holding my skin together on my left hand. I, uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's got to be. So Oh man, so that's, you know, let's let's see what they do. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of caution as things get get opened up but if they can do it i'm a calcio fan at heart and would love to see it i've said that you know i i would you know italy's got bigger problems and would be fine without calcio and letting them start a new season in 2020 2021 but if they can find a way to make this work and the fans get to you know slowly and cautiously get to come back then then fine you know and i you know i I won't fight anybody that feels that way either so uh so let's let's see what they what happens obviously they're going to do things with you know hopefully they're going to do things with the uh uh the best health officials advice in mind uh and uh hopefully we will see a little bit more calcio so um but moving on uh since there's no calcio and nothing to talk about on the pitch it has Uh, accelerated the silly season uh, as we say in advance and uh, um, at least the speculation of how teams will structure their squads ahead of the 2020-2021 season. Um, Front and center in all of this Phil is Inter and with Antonio Conte as manager that's not much of a surprise he's just had a pattern of wanting new players seemingly at every window with every team he's coached Uh, and this is relevant for us to talk about because at the heart of these rumors is Barcelona's interest in Lataro Martinez. There was the unthinkable idea that Lionel Messi would join the Nerazzurri, but I would think that move would come complete with UEFA FFP officials sniffing around Inter's headquarters. Marginally more believable is the story floated out there by Gazzetta, among other publications, that a swap deal involving Antoine Griezmann for Lattaro could happen, especially if Inter came up with a favorable wage structure for the Frenchman. There's merit here. As inter's defend, uh, inter defender Diego Godin is godfather to Griezmann's daughter uh, Mia, not to mention the two were teammates at Atletico Madrid. So we'll kick off the transfer talk with this. Uh, do you 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 follow Barcelona? You watch Barcelona? You call their games? Barcelona has a way of getting their man. Uh, do you anticipate Lautaro Martinez to be with the Blaugrana when the 2020-21 season starts? And if Griezmann is swapped to Inter, how do you see him fitting in Conte's setup?
1: Well, First, um, with Godin and Griezmann, uh, you're going to need to increase the supply of mate. Uh, (laughs) That's a given. But I agree with you 100%. I, I think that those two get along. I think Griezmann, I guess to close your question... As he matures, and he's getting up there, I mean, you're looking at a player that is nearing his peak if he's not there already. So now the question is does he have the intelligence of a Cavani uh, to take it to the next level or at least to continue at that peak uh, for a few more years? If he does, I think he's got all the tools to succeed in Serie A. Um, arguably better than Martinez. Uh, Again, just by his style. Uh, It has to be set up for him, as we've seen. Barcelona, pitting him wide is not his setup. He needs to be in a 4-4-2. I could see him, again, something that you don't see in Spain as much, uh, but maybe slotting into a trecuarista role. I I think he could be even more than a second striker, but his passing ability as well as his running ability, uh, could be utilized well if they have someone to put on the front line in front of him. Where a Barcelona perspective, he hasn't done poorly. Was it seven goals, five assists, eight goals, five assists, something like that? Not bad, but um, there has been a hesitancy, uh, a second thinking of himself to the point where He doesn't look comfortable, doesn't look natural. If he had been, those numbers, as well as Messi's and Suarez's, would be so much higher. He's getting into the position, but either not taking the shot when he should, not making the pass when he should, and those little split-second hesitations are uh, causing damage. I want to counter that with the description. And again, this is a different set of, but it's a similar mentality. Uh, But I remember when Miroslav Klose came down and people were saying, is it harder to play in Italy because of the defensive reputation than in the Bundesliga? And he said, no, it's easier because in, in Germany, as soon as he got the ball in the midfield, there was someone on him. Mm -hmm. Um, At least back in those days, uh, there was a tendency to lay off, get cover, wait for the mistake, and pounce defensively. And for Miroslav Klose, who was never really gifted of speed, but did have good touch and an eye for goal, he didn't make many mistakes. So he that's, knew where
0: to, And he knew where to go. I mean, he knew where to go in the box. numbers went up. I'm not
1: saying that that's what Griezmann is, but I think that's what Griezmann could see. Um, now, for Martinez... I don't know if Griezmann is enough if I'm inter, but at the same point, I don't know if I could afford to hold out for more. Um, Lautaro Martinez, in my mind, might be... He's not to Erling Haaland yet. He's not a killing Mbappe. Those, those two are so ready to blow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Martinez, every time I see him, I see him make a mistake... I see him learn from it and put that lesson into practice. This is a guy that has such a high ceiling in my mind. Will he ever reach it? I don't know. I think he has a very good chance of reaching it, maybe a better chance in Barcelona than he does uh, at Inter, just by the way things are played in La Liga versus Serie A. But even if he doesn't quite reach his peak for the Nerassuri, it's still going to be quite a level that he you can see already. So right. with Griezmann, I think you could say, okay, he could be useful, but it's going to take a change. We're going to have to, to change things around, maybe add another player or two. Um, the one name that has been brought up is Arturo Vidal, and I think he would not mind to move back, although he, I'd say up until this year, um, like life in Barcelona, maybe not as much with Setien at the moment, but could see him with a return to, to Setia. Mm-hmm. And maybe an Ivan Rakitic, who in my mind is a, a very Italian number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks like he does not want to leave Spain. Yeah, uh, if he does leave Barcelona, it would be back to Sevilla. However, even though they might be a shadow of their 1980s and 90s selves, it's still Inter Milan. Mm -hmm. Now, if it was Cagliari, if it was Brescia, um, I could see him saying no. But if it's Inter and they go, come on, we really want you. Um, I, and also the fact that he knows he could have the chance to play more, succeed more, and extend his career more, as well as be closer to home, which is another one. Um, I could see that as maybe being something. I don't see a three for one. I don't really even see a three for two. But, again, the the way that uh, this next transfer window is going to be collapsed um, and the fact that the money might not be as liquid as it has been sure. um, from the banks to the teams, from the teams to other teams, maybe... We're going to see more trades than we will sales at this point, with things balancing out. So, I think Martinez to Barca makes sense. I think Griezmann to Inter could work. Uh, I think a Vidal to Rakitic might be a pretty good make weight, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if everyone's happy.
0: I think that um, I think that it, it, Griezmann and, and Lukaku as a combination. And Conte's three-five-two would be an interesting dynamic. And to your point, does Griezmann now does he become the central striker in that setup? Because we've seen Lukaku with teams in the past be comfortable, you know, drifting over to the right a little bit. Or is Lukaku the striker with Griezmann as the support striker? You also got Christian Eriksen there, and you got a boatload of midfielders there too. You've got and and, and you're going to add try to add Vidal and, and Rakitic to that mix. There's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. But it might be necessary with some of the things we talked about previously with the fixtures potentially piling up, uh, considering how how condensed everything could potentially get from a scheduling standpoint, so some of this might all all make make sense. I think why it 's worked so well for Martinez and Lukaku together is that while they seem to be the same striker they 're box hunters they, they benefit from conte 's system because of those wing backs that can that can serve a ball you 've got a Condreva on the right you 've got uh, you know Biaragi on the left, so you've got players like that. I think that Griezmann gives is a forward that I think might have a little bit more mobility and freedom. And that's one my follow up about Griezmann at Barcelona: eight goals and five assists is nothing to sneeze at. But your Griezmann, and this is Barcelona, better is better might be expected from you. Do you think some of that trepidation is because of the concern with maybe duplicating some of the? things that Messi does in particular?
1: Well, that was very similar to what happened with Coutinho. Um, I I think that that's a possibility, uh, especially with Messi at this stage of his career sliding in. Mm. In You take a look at some of the the transfers that Barcelona has done in recent years. You just scratch your head. Um, In the past, they've gone out and... I know Ibra didn't work out great, but it started really well. It's just bad Mm -hmm. timing for Ibra because that was also the time that Messi was coming out. And also it was earlier in Ibrahimović's career where I don't think he was psychologically ready uh, to be a leader, if you will. Um, He just wanted to play. And also personality issues with Pep Guardiola didn't help. But uh, really when you take a look at... uh, at what Inter has, that's thats a question, like I said, it may be a three for two with someone else going the other way. Uh, you, you look at some of these players that are getting time, and, and you mentioned Kandreva, but 33 years of age, any other league in the world, and they're looking to move him. Uh, in Italy, he might have two or three more years, but even then, you have a choice to get someone that's 27, 28, that might be able to do the same thing. Borja Valero is another one who I think is going to be gone in a while. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, uh, uh, to Vecino. I, I think he's done well. Um, but I think he's also at a peak and he's not the type of player that's going to win you anything. He's a good journeyman, a good team player, a good squad player. Um, other ones that might, uh, you, you kind of wonder, might have to be moved to make way would be like a Brozovich, um, someone like a Barella, uh, And then you have to balance it out. You're right with Erickson. We haven't really had a big enough data set, if you will, to see if right. it's going to I, for one, have never really been that sold on him. I know there are a lot of people that I respect who are. Um, he's had moments, but I don't know if those moments really extend to the point where you could say this is a guy that can carry a team. I would probably even say something similar to Aiden Hazard at Real Madrid. I, I think uh, he was a little too up and down at Chelsea. Uh, and also from his personality standpoint, I, I'm still not sold that he's going to be the right answer for Real Madrid, although Florentino Perez certainly thought hundred and whatever million reasons so. Um, Ericsson's coming in a little bit cheaper than that, but he also does have that responsibility. I'm not quite sure, but I could see an Ericsson benefit from having someone like a Vidal, even more than a Rocket is, but someone like a Vidal that can allow him to slide away a bit and charge up the middle, maybe provide an extra target. So it's not inconceivable that you can find uh, a good starting 11 and a, and a quality bench. Um, but you're right, there probably would need to be a piece or two moved if it was, uh, especially, I think, a Rakitic. I think Vidal is so so utilitarian, so versatile. He might be the only player on earth that I would feel comfortable putting at all 11 positions, even goalkeeper, um, mm-hmm. and feel as though he's going to do, do well. So uh, I think if you can get Vidal back in Serie A on this inter-team, you do it, and you, like Ray likes to say, good players keeping good players out. Uh, So the question then becomes, as you pointed out, what is the duo? Now, you're right with Lukaku liking to lean right. Griezmann likes to lean left. Maybe that opens a door for a Vidal to burst up the middle as he has done... Quite frequently uh, at Barca, going back to his to his uh, days in Germany. So, I think that uh, it's attractive. It is fun to think about, but you're looking at arguably in Martinez one of that upper echelon of sh- of superstars if it clicks. Sure. As I said, he's not—he's not at he's not a Holland. He's not at an Mbappe. He's not at a Neymar yet. Um, but this is a guy who, if things click, um, I could see almost Lewandowski type numbers and maybe even a little bit more uh, elusiveness. Um, he's still just 22, and, and it's his intelligence to go with that touch. Um, that makes me think that uh, that he will continue to improve. With Griezmann, you have more of a sure thing that has a little bit more room at the top. With Martinez, maybe it's a bigger gamble, but it could be a huge payoff if you are right.
0: For sure, for sure. Interesting. I mean, I you know when they were talking about Messi last week, it was just one of those that's, I think clickbait. Uh, but this one has a little bit more merit for some of the you know underlying reasons that. The, the publications are reporting but we'll we'll see what happens uh, but it seems like uh, you know Barcelona's interested in Lotaro Martinez and it's very likely that one possibly two possibly even three as you mentioned Barcelona players could be coming the other way in exchange uh, so we'll see how that one uh, we'll see how that one plays out and, and um, yeah, one tale on Barca's side is the fact and this is
1: Griezmann just did not make sense because the main thing they've been looking to do is to spell Suarez so he can rest his knee, they can extend him a little bit and eventually replace him. Um, Kind of similar to what they were hoping for from De Jong, uh, even though you could say he's not a natural Busquets position player. He's got the skill set, but it's basically lock him up while you can. Um, Griezmann going back to his days at Real Sociedad has always been uh, that guy off the shoulder with the occasional leading the line. Uh, It just doesn't fit into Barca, where someone like a Martinez, I could see him spelling Suarez, occasionally sliding out wide to play with him, and maybe, uh, I don't know what they call it in Italy, but I know here in the States kind of call it a target wing, which Mm -hmm. is how Lukaku becomes when he goes out wide on the right Um, to basically have that that scoring threat coming in against an undersized or slow fullback. Um, It it gives you a little bit of extra weapon. But uh, again, Martinez makes sense considering the needs of Barcelona. For Griezmann, it just seemed to be almost a Real Madrid-like, let's buy the next shiny thing. And it hasn't quite worked out the way many had hoped.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, Bersaglio is... The immediate translation I can give. I don't know if it's a metzella. Uh, I think a metzella is something different, but uh, you know. But we'll see. Uh, my, you know, shamefully, my Italian is not the greatest. I, I know the, uh, I know the, I know the English four-letter words and and, and how to say hi. So, well, that's all um, you
1: need, actually. What do you think about it? Pretty much. <laughs> if you can ask for an espresso and sambuca, you're fine.
0: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go, hopefully for the next time I go over there. (laughs) So um, another significant name linked to coming to Italy is the possibility of Paul Pogba returning to Juventus with stories coming out that the Frenchman wants to leave Man United in the summer, whatever the summer's going to be between these seasons. Pogba's career took off in in his first stint at the old lady under Conte and then Max Allegri, uh, triggering United to make him the most expensive player at the time. Now, if this happens... How does Pogba 2.0 look at Juventus under Maurizio Sarri?
1: Again, uh, well, this happened when I was doing Serie A. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Another player I was never quite sold on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I saw flashes. I saw potential. I saw indiscipline. I saw Petulance. I saw very good business, Mayan to pay for a stadium with a player that they could replace. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, he's a few more years mature. Uh, Maybe some of those rough edges are polished off. Maybe uh, he could put the team ahead of the person. I'm still not sold on that. Um, I could see him going back it would if if I did not have the personal doubts about Pogba as a as a player as a professional, I think he has the tools that Saudi could use brilliantly. But Saudi doesn't suffer fools, and if you're not going to play his way, you're not going to play. Um, at the same point, I don't think that Saudi and I love him going back. Going back two teams, three teams, um, Mm -hmm. he has a joy. And I remember hearing the the comments from Pep Guardiola that if there was one coach that he could just sit in the stands and watch, it would be Sadi, Just because he was doing new things. The problem is for Juventus is they have an old way to do things. So I'm not quite sure he's going to be there for much longer Um, if everything doesn't fall in their lap. Um, I think someone then will have a chance to get a very good manager on the cheap, um, but as far as Pogba going back, it's really hard to go back again. Right, uh, we've seen it with Cost Diego Costa. We saw it with uh, I guess Fernando Torres. You saw something thanks to Simeone, Alvaro Morata. Very simple. He's kind of worked his way back up to to mediocre um, and usable, but. For Pogba, I am just not quite sure it's consistent. That You watch him for France, though. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that hope that this is a guy that if you give him the reins, he can get you across the finish line. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that at any of the clubs that he's been, though. Um, I, I You could say he won trophies in Scudetti at, at, at Juventus. Um, you know what? I'm not that sure they couldn't have won with you or me in the midfield uh they were that good and they were that far ahead of the rest of Serie A so he was a player that had a ton of potential that I'm not quite sure has reached it maybe he's trying to go back to grab it again um if it was Conte well let me flip it to you if it was Conte there if it was Capello there would they take Pogba
0: it's a great question um I think why Pogba looked more, and I, and I want to follow up on your comment about France. But I think why why Pogba looked more believable is probably the word I'm going to use at Juventus uh, than he did at Manchester. Than he seemed to do at Manchester United. And it's not like he's been terrible at Manchester United, but I think that they're not getting a return on this investment for sure. Look at that dressing room that Juventus had. In addition to the managers, a Conte and Allegri, but you had you have Buffon, you have. Bonucci, Chiellini, you had Andrea Pirlo uh you had veteran players in that dressing room that could rein him in um you know and as a result maybe there's not a leadership responsibility for Pogba he could probably just go out and play and then to that point he looks good because he's playing with all of those players you or myself would have looked good in that midfield because he's playing with you know Pirlo Tevez up front um you know with that with that team that uh, reached the champions league final in 2015 so i think that the culture had something to do with pogba looking more believable and accelerating his value uh for where he could be sold for what he was sold for to manchester united and then when you look at manchester united's dressing room and who you you know it's the problem that i had with ac milan here for the last 2 years who are you looking to to lead out there you know Uh, And who's that guy in the dressing room that's the voice that's not going to put up with the crap, you know, where Juventus had a good hat, you know, four to six of them, you know, Man United are lucky to maybe have one. And is it, and and who is it? So was it Ashley Young when he was captain? Is it, you know, is it Juan Mata because he's a veteran? I mean, it's just, I think the, the culture of the dressing rooms were definitely different. And I think that that made Pogba look better. Uh, playing for Juve the other point that you made about him playing for France I mean I think there's some truth to that I think you know some players just shine brighter when they're putting on their country's colors you know Lucas Podolski for me is the most obvious example of that because uh, he's dynamite for Germany but when you go see him for the clubs it didn't feel to me like he it didn't feel to me like he brought it at the same level so you know so there is some truth to that with Pogba um, you know but I think that That great stint at Juventus also had to do with who he was surrounded by. Absolutely. Now, let me flip that point
1: back. If you put this Pogba into that Juventus, how would they take to him and how would he take to that? That almost was a perfect fit because he knew he was young enough to the point where he would push it, but he also knew when to to just bite his tongue. Sure. Now I'm not quite sure he's at that point. But then again, you look at the France dressing room and they're just they're loaded right? Uh, they make Brazil look poor in some ways. Um, so it's doable? Is it worth it? Now, if you can get him on the cheap, maybe um, how does is he the type of player? And this is a maybe an arguable yes. is he the type of player? that can squeeze just that little much more out of the Cristiano Ronaldo lemon for the next year or two that uh, gives them a chance to win the big cup again. Uh, Now, the fact that there is a biological clock ticking for Cristiano Ronaldo, they already made a few moves this year. Uh, They realize that still might not be enough. So if you truly want to cap off the Cristiano experiment... They need more, and they need uh, a player that has the ability to decide things. Mm -hmm. Pogba is that player. Uh, It doesn't happen consistently enough, or at least it hasn't over the past few years, but considering how few of those players are available, let alone that Juventus could compete for beyond the Real Madrid, Barca, uh, Bayerns, and cities of the world, um, maybe he slots into that. Uh, So maybe it's a a best of all possible worlds situation that might actually work out. Mm -hmm. I look at it with a a grain of salt, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad choice. It might just be the best choice possible.
0: I think the combination of you saying basically... Love isn't love isn't quite so lovely or the second time around. I know Frank Sinatra sang about it, but um, you know that, and you know where those veterans are at in their careers. I mean, is the culture still there at Juventus? Sure. I mean, because Benucci's still there, Chiellini's still there. I mean, who knows how long Buffon's going to want to stick around and, and 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 ride the bench, or if he wants to just get on with his life. Um, and to your point, the, the Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, you know, the sands of time with him. Uh, so it, it's, there's still a veteran presence. Um, but I think the other interesting dynamic here is how does he fit? Where does he fit? Um, Pjanic took a step back this season. Rodrigo Bentancourt took a step up and does a pre- the presence of a player like Pogba hinder the impact that the Uruguayan's going to have in this team going forward?
1: Well, that, that's a great point. It was another Uruguayan, um, that jumps to my mind, uh, when you take a look at another team that has been uh, rumored to be in the sweepstakes for Paul Pogba uh, and that's Real Madrid and mentioned earlier with Barcelona that Florentino Perez kind of has that uh, like a crow or a raven, whatever is, is shiny. He's going to try and grab, but, uh, Maybe it's, I would call it the anti-Midas touch, uh, whatever it is, but Zinedine Zidane is able to keep uh, Florentino and his hand away from his checkbook to the point where, if you're going to ask me, would I rather have Betancourt in the midfield than Pogba? The answer would probably be yes. Uh, Maybe not wholeheartedly, but it, it would be worth thinking about. If you're going to ask me from a Real Madrid perspective, would you rather have Pogba in the midfield or Fede Valverde? It's not even close, right? Uh, Because, and you see more of this than I do, Um, from a Betancourt perspective. I think he's got a good head on his shoulder, good touch, good technique, uh, tactically sound. I'm not quite sure about the personality, just because I haven't seen him enough. Does he have that leadership ability? Uh, is he a good player in the in the dressing room? Um, how does he get along with the other players? Some I think Fede Valverde checks all of those boxes right. for Real Madrid. So again, the fact that they couldn't get the deal for Pogba done, it might not be a broken fax machine, um, but the fact that they did give Valverde time has been phenomenal. And I agree with you. I remember Betancourt coming up in... Uh, the potential that he had, now starting to come into it, are there better ways to spend your money?
0: Right. And And
1: that might be even more true after what's been going on the past few months. I know Juventus uh, is the richest team in Italy, Italy, but uh, they got that way by not wasting money. Right.
0: Right. It's a, it's an interesting it's a curious one that's for sure. Um, and I, I find Juventus to have a need for midfield help. Uh, so, you know, it's a convenient question to ask. Does Pogba want to come back? And he wants to leave Manchester United. So it's definitely an interesting one. Um, how he fits with the current squad would be would be very interesting. So, um, you know, so we'll. You know, we'll see. I, I guess. I, I guess I'm just going to leave it as jury's out. Uh, and I'm I'm with you. I'd rather have Bentoncore. Serie A teams may be looking to the Premier League for help. Some key players are at the end of their contracts in England, and it's reasonable to think, uh, as without games and gate revenue available, they may be. Uh, clubs might need need to get creative in reinforcing their squads. Sources are floating the possibility of William rejoining Saudi at Juventus. In addition, there's talk that Olivier Giroud could reunite with Conte at Inter after he turned down Lazio in January, uh, and Roma would move for Jan Vertonghen and Pedro. Uh, how viable are these moves to you?
1: Uh, first of all, my my eyes are starting to cross even thinking about transfers. Like you said, silly season. Yeah. We're getting a bonus one. Yeah. Um, There's other ones that I'm I'm thinking about. Sure. Someone like an Icardi. The fact yep. that oh, he's out of inter um makes it a little easier to move him somewhere else. Uh, we call him
0: we call him Mr. Wanda Nara. Oh I absolutely I
1: understand. <laughs> uh, and she appreciates that.
0: Yes, she does. That feeds her ego.
1: Now the one situation though is like I mentioned, with and maybe something about Paris. Maybe the fact it's the city of love. When Ibra went there, his personality changed. Uh, and he became much more of a team player. Even though I know Lukaku was talking about some of what he talked about. Balotelli came out. Was it today or yesterday? Uh, where Ibra says things that sound really, really harsh. But if you take it, and I guess maybe it's not a coincidence, he kind of grew up with Mourinho in some ways. If you take it with a Mourinho-like filter, that everything he says is not true but has a purpose, um, you could understand why he was trying to, to push Lukaku. You could understand why he was trying to, to push um, Balotelli, because he saw the potential there, but the fact that it was being wasted. Icardi goes to Paris, and this is a guy that all he does is shoot and he only shoots from practically inside the 6, definitely inside the 18. He goes to PSG, and all of a sudden he's racking up assists as well. He's he's not really stretching his shots that much, although there are a few more from the top of the box and maybe just outside. Um, But he's proving to be a lot less selfish than I would have imagined. Now, to be playing on a team that has Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria and and the like, a little bit more comfortable passing the ball off than it might have been back at Inter. Uh, so maybe it's giving him a chance to grow. The fact that it seems all but certain that Cavani is going to be moving on mm-hmm. makes me seem seem a lot less likely that Icardi is going to be moving because he's fit in quite well. Now, right. he has slowed down as the season progressed a bit. Uh, but that might just be because they've been trying to get Cavani on the shelf. Who knows? We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, But I, and I understand some of those targets you're talking about uh, coming back to the continent from England. Uh, Someone like a Pedro, I think is, well, he was a very Spanish style player, but now that he's a little bit more mature, Maybe a little slower, but probably a lot smarter. I could see him, and you mentioned Kandreva earlier, kind of filling that style of role. So I could understand. And also, relatively affordable, considering uh, what it normally might cost to pry someone away from a Premier League team. So I'm sure there are some of those moves that are going to take place. Um, And there were so many of them you just rattled off that I, I'm trying to get my hand around them, but uh, I, I could I could see a few of those happening. The other point, though, you have to consider, and especially after the economic fallout from this, is the fact that Serie a was just getting back on its financial feet. Yeah, uh, are they going to be able to dig deep enough uh, to to spend money? Now, even some of these Premier League teams are not going to be. Uh, Flying high, but they probably have just a, a bit deeper rainy day fund than many of the teams in Serie Sure. So the the buying power of some of the teams that would be in the market might be a little lower, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the selling price is going to be.
0: It's 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 interesting. I mean, when I look at all of these, the only one that I the only one that jumps out at me is I think. William enjoyed his time playing for Saudi at at uh, Chelsea. Agreed, and
1: he's seen some limited time uh, at Chelsea this year. Although in recent times, uh, it seems like Lampard has rediscovered him. Yeah. But uh, a large part that has to do with with uh, Christian Pulisic being in and out of the lineup. So uh, as Chelsea gets healthier, William becomes a little bit more available.
0: Sure, sure. So we'll see what happens. I mean, this is some of the, and this is the. This is the product of the silly season. You know, okay, Serie A is going to jump into the uh, uh, free transfers that are going to be available in the Premier League, Uh, but this was floated by the Daily Mail, and I think somebody else wrote about it. Uh, I can't remember where I saw it uh, a couple of days ago, but these were some some rather unique names. I mean, Olivier Giroud, to me, would just go from one bench to another. Um, Vertonghen might see some time at Roma, but it looks like they were getting more and more comfortable with the combination of Chris Smalling and Gianluca Mancini at the center of that defense uh pedro how many wingers do roma need um is the other challenge to that to that rumor um you know you know do they move on from chenji Zundir? that's been talked about before um they're not going to move on from justin clivert uh so you got that you got that in front of you so i mean for me out of all of those the most believable one would be William going to juve uh, and reuniting with Saudi, um, so you know again, we'll see what happens. And as to the to the Acardi point, I yeah, he he thrived and he's had some he's had some he's had a nice season with Paris Saint Germain. Why does you know why come back to all of the drama in Italy and everything that you know that he and his wife had to put up with? Unless they they love the country that that, that much that they're willing to take the abuse, um, you know. And
1: he is if he is in the market, there are other teams like Real Madrid who are kind of in the market for a number nine also.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, and I don't, you know, we'll see. And then, you know, as far as AC Milan, you know, Ibra may not be back for the following season. Uh, That's all still getting talked about. Um, You know, there was rumors floating around that if Ibra is gone, they'll, they'll see if they can pull Milik out of Napoli. Uh, somebody had the crazy idea that Icardi could play for Milan. I, I, as a Milan fan, I just can't see that. Uh, so, you know, a lot of this, a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff already being talked about. And when you've got no Calcio, uh, this is naturally what you're going to go to, to, to try to keep it going until, uh, until these guys get back out on the pitch. So, um, you're an Arsenal supporter as well. Uh, so you're familiar with the workings of Ivan Gazidis, current CEO at AC Milan. Uh, Elliot brought him on board after, after the technical director partnership, for lack of a better description, of Paolo Maldini and Zvonimir Boban was established. This presented Milan as, to me, having too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, but it became clear that Gazidis is calling the shots. He sacked Boban, presumably over comments that the Croatian made publicly about Gazidis working to bring Ralph Rangnick on to take over as manager of Milan next season. With Boban out, it's widely expected that Maldini will also be out this summer leaving Godzidis to run the show. So help us, Milanisti, out from your experiences. What about Godzidis should have us hopeful, and and what's going to have us grouchy about him? I think
1: he's probably even more better suited to Calcio than he was to the Premier League. Um, Just his personality Um, He is one of those guys that quietly likes to be in charge, doesn't like the limelight, doesn't like the headlines, does have a great personality. I've known him for not like we're best buddies or anything, and it's been a while since we've actually talked. uh, But I've known him for 25 years, meeting him at the start of Major League Soccer. Um, And he is one of the most pleasant people I've ever had the chance to meet. Uh, Very sharp, very smart. I think... He was a great pickup, and uh, as much as I love Maldini um, and respect Boban, those are guys who made their name in another part of the game, yep. um, and we're still not quite sure if they have what it takes um, in other aspects. Uh, but with Gizitas, he's he's had to earn his stripes, and he's worked his way up. Uh, did quite well at Arsenal, uh, and I think he's done well to this point. Considering the recent years, prior to Gazeta's getting there, uh, I mean, you know better than I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you could not go a month, let alone a season, without something embarrassing going in the, in the media. Uh, yeah. And he's turned it into a much more professional front office. Um, Obviously, some people don't like the change, uh, but I think it's actually been a relatively smooth transition. And and you talked about, with Boban and Maldini, kind of being pushed to the side. Um, I I think you take a look at what happened at Barcelona um, when they made some moves and Zubi and and Puyol were pushed aside. Uh, I mean, that was front-page headlines for weeks, and in some ways, uh, it's an argument that's still going on, that Barcelona hasn't recovered. But here you have two talismanic members of the Milan family, uh, and it's, I don't know, at least from what I've seen, barely a ripple. So I I do think that a lot of people trust Gazetis, uh, probably still in his honeymoon period, and it all depends on how much money he has to work with uh, he's not like a Monchi who can just seemingly, although Monchi didn't have much success at Roma, that might say more about the Roma ownership than it does about him because it seems like he's back to his magic ways in Seville. Um, he's he's not going to do like Monchi does and turn 3 million into 30 in a year. Uh, right. But he is the type of guy uh, that can say, you know what, Bonaventura, maybe we don't want to get rid of him just yet. Maybe he can still serve a purpose um and to to go out and uh and pick up a player here player there uh and piece together something that whenever the coaching situation in uh in Milan is settled they'll have something to work with
0: sure i'm 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 encouraged by the restructuring that he's doing of the squad um he's you know he's moved on from suzo uh, you know, Borini. He released. Uh, you know, some of these guys that are getting salaries. Ric- Ricardo Rodriguez, obviously, with the way Teo Hernandez came on and played for Milan this season. And by the way, uh, that's what I love.
1: Rodriguez, but I really like Teo also. And you're talking about a guy that's significantly younger. So hopefully, Arsenal can take advantage. Right. Because I, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking to try and uh, and maybe willing to throw a little bit of money to get uh, Rodriguez's
0: signature. Sure. No doubt. And Rodriguez still has a lot to offer. So, um, you know, it is, Hernandez is better. Uh, so he's moving on from some players. Lucas Belia is not going to get renewed from the sounds of it. And I thought that that was not a smart signing at the time. It was a young Hung Lee signing. Um, I just didn't see the appeal to a 31 a year old that spending 20 million on a 31 year old who had one really good season for Lazio. Um, just made no sense to me, and he just injuries, you know, he was in and out of the lineup and things like that, and it seems like they're going to move on from Bonaventura as well. So well, let,
1: me, let me ask you this, because, again, this was kind of a gazetas thing. Mm-hmm, uh, sure. What is Simon Kerr's arrival? How's that been greeted? Because I think, again, I don't want to call him a journeyman, because I think he's a little bit better than that when it clicks, but you're talking about a ferocious defender who is – A good leader, and it seems like that's the type of guy. I don't say you build your defense around, but at least he's going to be a a good cog in the machine.
0: I I was happy, you know, Ibrahimovic obviously was the name brand, but I was very happy with the uh, Simon Kiar signing, and I was happy with the Begovic signing in January because these are the players that that dressing room needed. They needed veterans. Um you go back to when Milan and Arsenal played each other in the Europa League in the knockouts. When you looked at that Milan lineup out of that starting 11, one player you could look to for any kind of European experience and that was Bonucci and he didn't last there. So Milan were when when things were bad on the pitch, who were you turning to for hey, we're we're fine. It's it's okay. Unlucky to give up that goal. You know, let's pick it up. We'll get it back. You know, those kind of things, that kind of leadership, the guy that can, you know, that can rein, you know, the young bad boys in a little bit. You know, there was, that wasn't there. Alessio Romagnoli was made captain at a very young age. Um, you know, and he's learning, you know, he's been a very good defender and he has, has been a very loyal to Milan. But as captain, he's still learning on the job, if you will. So Simon in Chiar- and, and, with respect to Romagnoli, Chiara is the perfect complement to him because you have a veteran defender that can help keep him under control a little bit, provide some some additional leadership on the pitch. And he was also a a calming presence, you know, where Matteo Musacchio has a lot of potential, but he's also a bull in a china shop, and he's a red card waiting to happen at times. So having the composure and having the experience of Chiar partnered with Romagnoli was looking like an excellent fit. Chiar then gets injured. Uh, and then Milan are playing musical chairs with who plays center back and who partners with Romagnoli after that. So, no, I love the Kiara signing. I've always been a fan of his.
1: Now, the other point to consider, and this isn't necessarily Gazidis, but uh, it will be his decision if they continue. I mean, you, you take a look. You mentioned Teo Hernandez, mm-hmm. uh, um, and that looks like a steal. Mm-hmm. But then you look at guys like Arafa Leal, mm-hmm. uh, Kessie, um Lucas Paqueta, another one. Uh, and even Leo Duarte, in my mind, all of these players, I think, are extremely promising. Mm-hmm. But I... I don't think any of them have lived up to the hopes. So they're still young, all at, what, 20, 21, 22, maybe 23. Sure. Um, so there's still room to grow, but it's not like any of them are coming out of the gate quick. Now, again, that might be something that Gazeta's getting a chance to to see from a firsthand experience um, might say, you know what, I just don't think he has it or it's going to take too long or we have another person in mind and we can fund it with this. But I I think that each one of those players I mentioned, um, if they come close to their potential uh, within two or three years, this Milan team is going to be challenging Juventus for the title.
0: That's what we're hoping for. (laughs) That's indeed what we're hoping for. something that Gazitas did at Arsenal that that uh, that made you scratch your head that maybe we should worry about.:
1: No, not re- the only thing really, and, and this is this is kind of hard to pin on him because in some way, ah, okay, this would be uh, a good way to look at it. just trying to think back, think back, think back. um. was it Capello who bit his tongue and didn't say anything and then got canned and then uh, basically came out later that things were going on higher up. Uh, it wasn't Conte. I'm trying to remember who it was. But the, the point I'm going to try and make here is that Gazetas is a company man. Okay. And there are negative connotations to that at the point, but, uh, But I think in his position, it's a positive one, because he still gets things done, but he also realizes the realities, Um, and there are a lot of realities in Milan, just like there were when he was at Arsenal, that that was Arsene Wenger's team. Um, I think the fact that that generation lasted a little longer than he thought it should is one of the reasons that he became available, Uh, and Milan was glad enough to grab him. But uh, again, you look at at what Gazidis did was to extend uh, the glory period, if you will, uh, of Arsene Wenger. And it wasn't, I think the team that he would have liked to have put out there. It wasn't uh, the type of team that Arsenal really needed. For me, I think Wenger stuck around seven years too long. Um, and it would have been intriguing to see what Gazitas could have done. Uh, I, I think some of the new people in charge, it'll be quite interesting. It didn't quite work out with Unai Emery. I'm not really sold on the current regime. Uh, I, we'll see what happens. I, I hope they come back, but I don't blame any of that on Gazitas because it was a cult of personality around the manager at the time. Uh, sure. That's not the case in Milan. The, the cult of personality uh is a little higher up it it still gives him enough room to roam and get his hands dirty if you will right. so i think that there will be maybe a little less political intrigue maybe a little less ink on the back pages of the gazetta uh which is good from a milan perspective and just allows them to get this team rebuilt so uh I guess if you're going to say there's a bad part to Gazitas, he makes things kind of boring.
0: Boring might be just what Milan need, though. So <laughs> so, you know, if I, I would be fine with it. I would be fine with Milan Twitter not losing their mind at every at every turn, you know, and having that littering my Twitter feed. So um, you know, so that's, uh, that's, that, that would be, that would be welcome. I think that would be a welcome change, you know, for Milan. So, uh, so, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, so far he's, he's trying to improve the overall, you know, financial, uh, and fiscal health of the team, uh, you know, with respect to players, with respect to wages and things like that. Now let's see. What they do as far as the next steps in terms of strengthening the squad too. You've got, as you mentioned, a lot of young players with a lot of potential. Can that come through? Now there's some veterans in there that can show them the way. Um, so let's let's see what Milan are going to be capable of uh, going forward. Whether it's Pioli continuing as manager or whether Rangnick comes in. So um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Phil, let's finish just with a you know your time as a soccer as, as a football broadcaster i try not to say soccer on this podcast um you've been on the call for Serie A, coppa italia games you know obviously you're in a role where you have to be neutral or uh, try as hard as you can to be neutral you know but who are some players uh in Serie A in your time maybe even teams that you looked at you know or you had the you had the pre- uh, the privilege of doing some play-by-play on that you just you after you were done with the game and after you were done with your work, you're like, wow, I want to watch this. I want to watch that guy again or I want to watch that team again. I My my favorite uh, with you is just a few years ago when you and Matteo Benetti were on the call for being sports when Milan beat Juventus. Might have been the last time Milan has beaten Juve as well uh, with the Locatelli goal and with the Donnarumma save on Kadira at the end. And uh, I think your reactions just captured those perfectly. Uh, but I wanted to pick your brain as to, you know, you know, who left you, you know, who who left you dazzled after you were done uh, you know, working a play by play as far as Serie A or Coppa Italia.
1: That's a tough one. Um as a fan going back and watching the 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 red and black against the blue and black. Uh We had the Germans against the Dutch, if you will. I mean, that was mouth-watering. And like I said, back then, I didn't get the chance to watch as much. So I appreciated what little chance that I did get. Uh, Then you look a little bit later, and when I did get the chance back with Goal TV at the outset, uh, it was the tail end of Calciopoli and... Uh, Things were dour and sour. Mm -hmm. But there's something about Calcio. There's something about the way that Italian football is played. And and you could say that the after effects of Calciopoli are still there to a point for much of Serie A. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I've sensed back when we were able to do it uh, for being sports and even now, uh, there's a blossoming. I'm not saying we're ready to bear fruit yet, mm-hmm. but you can see the green shoots. You can see the flowers even in some ways, especially when you take a look at what's going on with Atalanta right now. Yes. Uh, that, and I used to, I loved working with Mateo, partly because he it boggled his mind that I loved doing Serie A games. You and I talked about this before the podcast. Uh, and also this past month where we celebrated the 25th uh, kickoff of MLS. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to be on the call for the first five years, including that very first game. It doesn't matter if it was an MLS game. It doesn't matter if it was a World Cup game, Champions League. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was Serie A, La Liga, uh or my kids' games. there's something about this sport. and I love watching it and that's why like I said, I grew up an Arsenal fan. I'd still consider myself one. I think there's a part of a patriotic part that loves watching uh, the United States national team. My family comes out of Austria. I grew up watching them. Um, so there are some emotional ties, but my real ties are with the sport. So as long as it's a good game, I enjoy it. But what I used to tell Mateo was, well, there might be times in a a La Liga game where your mind is blown that the one thing that I always look forward to from Serie A is, uh, I learned something. Every Serie A game is a chess match and maybe it's a little bit more like speed chess nowadays that the uh the governors have been taken off a bit uh and many more of the teams are a bit more adventurous than they've been in years uh the quality might not be there uh, as much but the tactics are the intelligence is and watching pieces fall into place uh was something i always enjoyed so I hope I get the chance to call it again um, at some point in the future. Uh, and from players, I mean, I loved watching Del Piero. I loved watching Pirlo. Uh, some of those Milan teams uh, back in the day with Ibra were, were kind of fun to watch. Um, Seydorf uh, was brilliant, but for me, it was the it was the managers. And uh, yep. going back to. Uh, like I said, the the '80s and '90s, and even into the the Saudi and uh, into that era, uh, I would I would eagerly anticipate uh, sitting down to watch them put their pieces of the puzzle into place. Now, it obviously helps if you have superstars uh, like. Some of those big teams did, but uh, going back to Saudi at Empoli, or uh, I remember watching Sassuolo, or Ray likes to call him Yeah, They burst onto the scene. Watching Atalanta now and Papu Gomez, who's one of my favorite players to watch.
0: So Um, fun to watch.
1: He is, and that's the one thing. Again, I was talking to Mike Lahoud, who's thinking about getting into this business earlier today. Uh, and one, he was just asking for some advice, and that was one of the things I said. Uh, it, You have to treat the game with respect. There are people that have passion for it, but it is a game. It is entertainment. And Papu Gomez just lights up the stadium. I, I'm amazed he's still at Atalanta. I am so thankful he's still at Atalanta because it helps... Who knows what would have happened if he would have gone? That that whole dream might have crumbled. But they're proving last year was not a fluke, and they're still one of the best teams to watch. Um, so, again, I loved my time calling Serie. A. I hope I get another. Oh, another one. Thinking back to Fiorentina, and maybe the reason I forgot has been a while. But I where it seemed like they had eight number tens on the field, and they just tried to find a way to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's something. Other than the big, gigantic teams in England, yeah, most of the English teams play alike. Other than the the gigantic teams in Spain, most of them play alike. Same story, Germany. There was something about Italy. And going back to Zeman and, and, and Roma, which in my mind should have worked, could have worked, uh, if you would have gotten a little bit more support from the front office. Uh, yeah. But once again... Anywhere, but especially in Italy. Once they smell blood in the water, you're toast. Um, but I love the diversity of coaching. Gasparini another one. Now that he, he finally has uh, some talent to work with. There's such an intelligence to the game that it's impossible to take my eyes off of a Serie A game when I'm calling it. Other ones, maybe I'm looking around trying to find... A thread to weave in, or uh, as, as Ray is regaling on, on the latest miracle by Messi, I get a chance to to glance through the encyclopedia or something like that. But with with Setia, just watching everything click, uh, and I, I, I hope I get the chance to do it again. Like I said, it was it was a pleasure calling those games with Matteo, and I'm I'm glad he's still getting a chance, uh, and. It's still not back to where it was in the 80s and 90s, but it's on track. This is going to slow things down a little bit, what we're all going through at the moment. Uh, But I think the right people are in charge. There are a few, uh, let's say, uh, acorns that might need to be cracked along the way. But uh, I love the direction that Setia is headed in.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree you know and, and and to follow up and you you hinted at a you you hinted at a number of things uh, you know, in relation to this question. I'm just gonna ask it real quick because many of the listeners uh, you know a number of the listeners that we have, um, you know guys that I connect with that listen to this podcast, you know they're out there and and they're writing they're writing articles um, or you know they're writing for this website, they're writing for that website. they're doing their own podcast, they're guests on podcasts, you know as someone that's gotten into the business and you know yourself uh, and a lot of these guys are younger i'm 45 years old this is a hobby for me and i just you know the chance to chat calcio to everybody around the world i just love it but for those that are younger and up and coming and trying to hopefully someday be able to have a, a career out of it what's the best advice you could give them
1: there's a, a line i'm trying to remember who said it um whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. You really have to want it. You really have to put up with it. There's some people that, that might be considered an overnight sensation, although even for them, there's probably a decade working up to it that you don't hear about. Uh, I would say, if you really want it, don't expect to get rich from it. It has to be in your heart. Uh, the money is a bonus, if you will, because there's a lot of things you have to put up with along the way, and if you don't really love what you're doing, you're not gonna be willing to put up with that. Um, Money can only buy so much happiness. So, with that in mind, I would say, remember your role Practice as much as you can. Every opportunity you get, even if it's just sitting on the couch with the volume turned down a little bit, practice, practice, practice. Understand the game is bigger than you. You're not the star that the game is the star. Um, Respect the game. Respect the viewers. It's still just a game. Have fun. Be entertaining. The worst thing that you can be in this business is boring. So... If you can avoid that and be real, that's another one that I was stressing with Mike earlier. Um, people think Ray Hudson might be a little over the top at times. Some people love him for it. There's a, a minority that that don't, but I don't think that they realize that what you see is what you get, that Ray is Dick Vitale and John Madden and Don Cherry all rolled into one. Um, and I like to say they are all trying to talk at once, but that's, (laughs) if you tried to fake that, it's not going to work. Um, if you tried to be a Bill Raftery or Dick Vitale, uh, or a Gus Johnson, it's not going to work. You got to be yourself. Now, admittedly, when the mic comes on, the red light lights up, uh, maybe it takes it up a gear just from the adrenaline, but it's still got to be you. So I guess be you respect the game, have fun.
0: And I, I'm a huge Ray Hudson fan, you know, because he absolutely captures the moment when it happens. He is, he is speaking what a fan would speak in that moment, what a supporter of that team or a support or someone who just flat out a neutral that just loves football, you know, is, is feeling in that moment. So, um, you know, and it's, uh, I, I have a lot of, res- I have a lot of respect for that. So. Um, you know, so no, uh, agree 100%. And I think that, you know, in that vein, Mateo is also very exuberant when the goals happen and when yeah. the, the big moments happen as well. And I think that that's great. So, uh, but no, I, you know, you have been incredibly generous with your time, Phil. Uh, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A sit down, uh, fill your first cap. And one of the things we do is we do, a sh- you know, we take this time to shamelessly plug. Uh, so I'm going to give you the floor and is there oh. anything you want to plug away?
1: Huh? Let's see. Um, looking forward to getting back on being Sports again. We are still doing sports bursts and things throughout the week. So uh, normally I'm on midweek at 7 o'clock if you get the chance. i um, still doing XM, although we've had to, to tinker technologically to get things done. I know we're going to do something about Camp No. I want to do some things about earlier U.S. history while we get a chance to talk about more evergreen things. Um, check out my website. PhilShane.com, P H I L S C H O E N. Sorry, I was born with it. Um, PhilShane.com, where you can also learn about my own business that I started last year doing voiceovers and narration. And if there are any corporate heads or marketing people out there and you need something voiced, feel free to give me a call. Um, I'm having a blast with that as well. So uh, life is good. I've been blessed and uh thank god that i've had the chance and i and i'm thankful i've had the chance to talk with you over the last hour
0: oh it's been an honor phil believe me um i i can be found at ftc underscore 21 on twitter uh seria sit down we have our own channel on apple podcasts and soundcloud uh, we're also on stitcher spotify just about anywhere podcasts are played you can find us check out our youtube page Seria sit down been a while since we put a video up in fact the last one was uh richard and his doppelganger talking about top five takeaways in Seria off the season ended today uh that's the most recent video we'll try to get some more content up there here soon um uh, and then uh, we're at Seria Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram, so uh, do give us a follow there. Uh, Phil, once again, uh, pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this it, 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 we spent a long time. I took more time, probably than I than I than I said, and I apologize for that. But when you're talking Calcio, the time just goes. But uh, you've been very generous with your time, and I'm very grateful for it.
1: Again, it was a pleasure. Hope we get a chance to do it again someday.
0: Oh, you bet! We're going to call you for the second cap. I ah! so. <laughs> hey, might just be a one-cap wonder. You never know. Uh no, no. We're going to want to get you. We're going to want to get you back on soon. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it, recapping some games. So, uh, you know, in the not too distant future. And uh, for those of you, again, as we talked about why Richard wasn't joining us today, if you do want to uh, reach out, send him a message. Uh, he is on Twitter at r underscore m a n. I'm sure he would love to hear from you right now. Um, Richard, we love you, buddy. Uh, you know, hope you are. Hope you and your family again are finding comfort. We'll continue to pray for you through this time. Um, and for Phil, I'm Frank. Thank you all very much for taking the time to listen. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.